With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. How would you like to get the inside scoop on the secret sauce of show business? Imagine being ahead of the pack when it comes to knowing how to land that part you crave in that film, play, or TV program. Listen to the Inside Acting Radio Show hosted by William Powell, the king of D.C. media, at blogtalkradio.com. Search Inside Acting. Good evening, dear listeners. Welcome to this episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show in which I speak with Reynaldo Piniella, who played in The Fantastic Thoughts of a Colored Man, and that is a fantastic play that is playing now at Center Stage. You can get the tickets if you go to centerstage.org. So let me read a little bit about it. Uh, Thoughts of a Colored Man is a poetic journey through the lives of seven black men of the course of a day in Brooklyn, New York. Playwright Kenan Scott II has written and Steve H. Brodnack III has directed a show that is both narrative and poetry, oppressive and comic, without being preachy. When a play this outstanding, all races and sexes can relate to the emotions displayed on stage. Thematically, Thoughts of a Colored Man wages battle against inaccurate and superficial images of black men in America. As Broadnax wrote, as a man of color, I know too well that these distorted images have the dangerous potential to limit our humanity. So I see that uh, Reynaldo is uh, on the line. I'm going to bring him on the air. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Man, it's great to have you on. So I know your character was named uh, Lust, and a lot of the characters in the play, well, all of the characters really had allegorical names, uh, things like Lust and Anger. So what's been some of the reaction to your character from uh, audiences? You know, it's really amazing to see how the response to my character varies night by night. Um, The other day we had a large church group in the audience, and – they had a really negative response to my character because if you see the show, you'll see I'm using some really vivid language about women and and the things I would do to their bodies. And, you know, some days we have a lot of young kids and the young kids hear me curse and say certain things and they react with laughter. But I think what's really amazing is that at the end of the evening, once they see the full spectrum of what my character goes through and has gone through, they really see young black men in a new light, and they also have their preconceptions challenged. Um, so I think it's been really amazing just to, like, experience the play anew each and every night. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, amazing how different characters look at the character differently. I mean, they have, uh, you know, like I say, if it's religious background, they look at it one way. You know, young people look at it a, a different way. It's amazing that you, you get different responses like that. 
Yeah, and it's it's been interesting to see the different response from Syracuse to Baltimore. Um, the first <laughs> stopping off was in Syracuse, you know, which is very different demographically from Baltimore. Um, and I feel like now that the word has gotten out in Baltimore, we've been getting um, uh, an audience that's more reflective of the faces you see on stage. Um, like on Friday yeah. night, we had a lot of the uh, Greek fraternity members from different local universities and colleges come to the show. Um, and it's been really amazing to have that kind of vocal response in the audience, you know, having the mm-hmms and the laughter. Um, because I know <laughs> Keenan, he, he wrote the play, you know, so that he could show a new face of black men and, and, and improve the representation and visibility of our stories. Um, so it's been really great just to have, like, the people that he, he, he's been targeting with this story actually show up. Yeah, and there's an amazing cast. So talk a little bit about some of the the other characters. Like, So when people go to see this show, I mean, you've got other characters, like you have uh, Wisdom, Depression, uh, Passion, uh, Happiness, Love. I mean, talk about some of those other characters. I think what's really amazing about the show is that we all have these allegorical names, but we're not solely defined by that. For example, you have depression, who you would think would just like mope around, sit around, never get out of bed. But actually, he's a working man. He's a guy who has to like make a living to take care of his family. He's working at a job that isn't necessarily what he envisioned he'd be doing with his life. And in some ways, he's actually one of the funnier characters in the play because of that. And then you have happiness, who on the surface you think would just be smiling and bright all the time. But actually, he's a guy who's coming to terms with what it means to be a, a black man who came from an upperly mobile home. So it's each and every person on stage has these contradictions that make them so interesting. Um, and I think what Keenan wanted to do is to show that each and every one of us contain all of these things. Inside of me, I have lust and love. I have depression and happiness. And we can't just be defined by one thing. None of us fit in a box. None of us are stereotyped. Yeah, and you know, uh, playwright uh, uh, Brother Scott, his poetry was was amazing. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And what, do you think was that one of the deciding factors of you coming aboard uh, to the production? Um, Keenan, like me, is a New York native, um, and I think yeah. it's really rare to see someone capture the language and the rhythm of New York City in an authentic way. Um, yeah, and because Keenan is also a spoken word poet, that's actually was his first introduction to the performing arts. He's given the uh-huh. show this kind of inner pulse and drive to it that it feels very much the language of the streets. But it's not just you know unique yeah. to New York City because this could be Harlem, this could be Baltimore, this could be Atlanta, New Orleans, wherever. Um, and I think it's such a gift as a black actor to be working on language like this, on text. You know, when you think about the theatrical giants, you think of August Wilson, you think of Lenotted, Susan Laurie Parks, these people who have this rich language, and it feels like Keenan is continuing that tradition with this play. Yeah, yeah. So you got to talk about uh, uh, Steve H. Broadneck's uh, style as a director. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Steve is all about creating a room of play, a safe space where you can try things, fail, laugh. He doesn't want the room to feel like work because really this show is about community. It's about love. It's about inclusivity. And he wanted the room to very much be a, a place where all are welcome. And actually what he made sure to specify is that the women are actually upheld or honored that their voice should be the loudest ones in the room because you have this room that is dominated by these seven men when, in fact, it's the black women in our community that have been the bedrock, that have been holding things down. So we had Holly Wright, who's one of the dancers and the dance captain. We had Ashley um, Pierre-Louis, another dancer. We had Millicent, our choreographer, Bianca, our assistant, uh, our associate director, I should say. And he wanted to make sure that they had um, the loudest voice in the room, that they could actually tell us you know, what things we were um, honoring, what where our, our blind spots were. And it was just an honor to work with a black man who, you know, wanted to make sure that we were respecting our sisters, even if the show can be viewed as the, a story of a black man. You know, uh, Ronaldo, you got to talk about that amazing set and the aspect of tech rehearsal and just mm-hmm. dealing with that set, because, you know, you, some some of you guys had to climb on the set and you had to do all this, you know, you had to go through the audience, you had to do all that. So talk about your tech rehearsal. I mean, was that just a typical week or was it longer? Oh, wow. Um, so the set was designed by Robert Brill, who is a Tony-nominated uh, set designer. And if you come to see the show, you'll just see the massive scale and size of it. And it's something that's like ever present and looming over the entire evening. Um, and what is interesting about coming to Baltimore is that the dimensions of the theater are very different from Syracuse. Um, so, so much of tech mm. rehearsal here was sort of like figuring out what the show would be because um, all of a sudden we can't make that quick entrance from this side um, because here in Baltimore, there's no backstage space that we have to go underground mm. actually to cross over. Um, Wow. So it became, yeah, essentially we had to, like, restage the play. Like, that was the first few days of rehearsal was just figuring out, you know, where do I need to wow. be, how much time do I have off stage? things like, do I have time to use the bathroom in between scenes, like questions we never had asked before. Um, but Bianca, our associate director, was so great about making sure our needs were met, making sure we felt comfortable. Um, and it was great just to have that time in Syracuse because we had done the show for two months before we even got to Baltimore. So at this point, we knew the characters, we knew the story. It was just about taking it to that next level. Yeah, yeah. In a show like this, how many hours a day did you guys spend in rehearsal? Um, so we rehearsed um, eight hours a day, six days a week. Um and on different things, um, when you're working on a new play specifically, things change a lot. Um, there'd be days when we come to rehearsal and Keenan would write a new scene and we would try that. There'd be days when we would try out a dance number um, and then everything we rehearse will be cut. And that's kind of the process of the development of the play. You're trying to figure out the Why story the you're working on. Oh, I'm sorry, what was that? I was saying that's the life of an actor. You gotta you gotta turn right. on the dime sometimes. Yeah, totally. You know, and everyone was so positive and open. Um, specifically, um, Brandon, um, who plays Passion, his part and his monologues have changed so much. Actually, his lines were not set 
until the day before we opened in Baltimore. They were always changing, and the mm. brothers would show up every day with an open heart and open spirit and would work so hard to make passion a fully-fledged person. Um, and I think that's really amazing that we have this kind of support system where even when things are changing, we have each other's back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just amazing. It was an amazing show. Um, and, you know, uh, oh, oh, I was going to ask you about uh, brush-up rehearsals, brush-up rehearsals. So uh, what what's the uh, the schedule for that? Do you guys usually do that, like, once during the week? Yeah. Um, so when we got to Baltimore, essentially – what the schedule was, we had like one day of rehearsal and then we started tech the next day. And tech is 10 out of 12, meaning like you have a 12 hour day and 10 hours of that you're rehearsing. Um, and really tech rehearsal is not about the actors, meaning that it's really about the lighting designer having the time to like light the show in a new space is giving time for the set designer to like look at his work and make those final tweaks. It's about the stage manager learning how to call the show. Um, so it's not necessarily about, like, our artistic process or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, it's our time as actors to, like, run those lines and take that time we need to have any questions come up and, you know, figure out where you need to be to, you know, land this joke, make this moment work, things like that. Um, but it's a really long day and it's a long schedule. And when you're in preview performances specifically, you're rehearsing in the day sometimes for six hours and then you do a show at night. And then you come to rehearsal the next day for six more hours, then you do the show at night again. So it becomes a sort of like a test of stamina too. Um, so by the time a show opens, you're just kind of like relieved. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the spontaneity with the audience and everything. So how do you keep your stamina up? Oh, man. Uh, that is the the question we always ask each other. Um a lot of it, honestly, is um, self-care, you know. Um, as actors, it's, it's important to, like, make sure you're taking care of your voice, make sure you're taking care of your body. Um, you know, Baltimore is a great city, and we want to hang out and eat crab cakes and explore all the great things going on. But at the same time, we know, like, once the show is open, we'll have the time to do that. Um, so it was really about just, like, holding each other accountable, taking those breaks, um, because it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint um, because we're running until November 10th, and that final show has to be good as the first show. Um, so it's just about pacing yourself and, you know, making sure you're doing what you need to do to bring your full self to the theater every day. And, you know, a long run like this, uh, what are some of the things that surprise you uh, throughout the performance? In other words, do you find yourself – bringing kind of a, a slightly different take on your character night after night? I think what's really amazing about a long run like this is you're always finding new things, and also you, the audiences always change. Um, like the other day, actually, we were doing the barbershop scene, which is one of the few scenes in the play when every character is present. And all of a right. sudden I heard a line of happiness said in a new way. And I must have heard him say these lines probably over um, 30 times at this point. Um, and it was just like, whoa. And it made me listen differently as Lust. 
And I think it's really amazing just to see, like, how there's always more to discover. There's always more to dig into. And there's never that, that opportunity to phone it in or, like, go on autopilot just because this world is so rich and these actors are so great that they're always trying to push the button, make new discoveries, so that that final show, we're still playing. It's still fun. It's not like a job. It's actually something where it feels like a new person. And if you come back to the show, maybe it will feel differently and you'll hear lines in a new way because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to um, kind of take a left turn here and talk about uh, some of your amazing t- TV work. I mean, you've been on the Law and Order uh SVU, uh, you know, Louie, Greenleaf, and a lot of shows. How did you get so much TV work? Um, I think what's really amazing about New York City is that not only is it the the sort of the hotbed for theater, it's also a home of so many TV uh, shows now. I think they said that there's a there's the same amount of TV production in New York as L.A. now, which is truly amazing with all the new Netflix shows coming out and the different streaming services that Apple is offering and Hulu and everything that's happening on the web now. Um, So honestly, early on in my career, I was doing way more on-camera work personally, um, which was great because I got to work with actors I always admired and look up to. But at the same time, it felt like theater was the place where you could really work on your craft and develop as an actor and challenge yourself. Um, So I made a point in the last few years to make sure I was doing – you know, as much theater as possible because, you know, I want to be one of those actors that, you know, people look up to and talk talk about and all of that stuff. Um, so I feel like New York gives you an opportunity to do everything, TV and film and commercials and voiceovers, every aspect of uh, performance. That's right. You got to know it all. Talk about your training. Do you still mm. train? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny because uh, – Two weeks ago, actually, on our day off, which is Mondays, um, I went back to New York City to take an acting class. Um, and one of the actors in my class was Maggie Stiff, who people probably know because she's a regular on Billions. Um, she plays the wife of Paul Giamatti's character, and oh, she also yeah. was a series regular yeah. on. Um, yeah, she also was on Sons of Anarchy, and I think Sons maybe would also. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And like to see someone like her who was like on Billboard, wow, still in class still learning her craft, it showed me that, you know, you never know everything, that you're always growing, you're always developing. Um, so I try as much as I can to, you know, be honest with myself, like what are my weaknesses, what do I feel like I need to work on um, all the time, because it's like we're athletes of the heart, and athletes are always training. Athletes are in the gym every single morning working on their skill set, and as actors, we need to be doing the same thing. Man. You should preach, man. That's <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> wow, that's what's up. So, man, talk about your uh, – what's been some of your, your film roles, your favorite film roles? Oh, wow. Um, recently I did a film um, where I got to play a guy who converted to Islam in jail. Like yeah. He went to prison yeah. for like a minor offense. Um, and he converted to Islam because it gave him a sense of inner peace. And the film is called Shadows. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to do that project, like I thought it out specifically, was because it gave me a chance to learn 
a new religion, learn a new language because I had to study the Quran. I had to um, learn some Arabic. Um, and I think learning new skills like that, like that's the kind of stuff that excites me as a performer. Um, so I think it was, that's the kind of work I've been trying to do because early on in my career, a lot of the film work you do as a young actor is going to be stuff that's really close to who you are because film and TV, oftentimes they like to cast the person. They don't want you to act. They just want you to like be that person. Um, and while that's great, I still want to like play roles that are bigger and different than me. Um, so that that's why I've been doing more theater recently because I've been wanting to like stretch, whereas film oftentimes just want you to like to be you, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say that um, hypothetically, so let's say there's a person you know that they've done a few plays and maybe they've maybe done a couple student films. How would they take their career to the next level? What would you What would you tell them? Totally. Um, I would say you know it would depend on what market they're in, of course. Um, like uh-huh. let's say they were in a New York City, for example. Um, uh-huh. I feel like in New York City, there's a sort of like pecking order, right? So you start out and you're probably doing like some non-union work, probably not making any money at all. But at some point, all of us want to be compensated for the work we're doing. Um, and our industry has a barrier of access. And what I mean is that the jobs that you're going to want to get that are going to take your career to the next level you need representation to get in the room, honestly. There are some casting directors that will see you without an agent if you, like, you know, mail them a headshot and resume, send them a reel, something like that. But ultimately, you're going to need an agent. And I think a lot of young actors make the mistake of pursuing an agent before they get the requisite um, training and credits that's going to make you truly competitive. Because I would say at the level I'm at now, all of the actors are great. Like, no one is calling in a bad actor. Everyone in the waiting room with me is just as good, if not better, than me. So I know that when I walk in that room, I have to be working at my maximum potential at all times. Um, So I would say, truthfully, it's about being honest with yourself as a young actor, figuring out what new skills you can learn that can make you more marketable. Um, You can take some improv classes because, like, commercial auditions are all improv these days. Um, learn how to do voiceovers and audiobooks. Truly make yourself as appealing as possible. So when you do approach an agent, it's an obvious choice and you're not begging. You're not walking in the room saying, please pick me. You're saying, I'm someone that you can work with. Because honestly, agents work for you. They don't make any money unless their clients book work. So I feel like it's about making yourself feel that power so that when you walk in a room with a casting director or an agent, you're not begging them to choose you. You feel like you are enough already. You know, Sam Jackson once said that he saw auditions as an opportunity to act. What's Mm -hmm. your take on that? Honestly, I agree with that 100% because, you know, we walk in these audition rooms and we relinquish all of our power. We feel like we only have two minutes. We have to get it right on the first take. And then we walk out, you know, nervous, our head you know, hung, and it's like, no, actually, you're walking in this room as a professional. They hope you're the person because that's their job, to find the person, so they want you to be good, and it's an opportunity to play, to try something new because oftentimes I'll get an audition, and I know I'm not right for the part. 
if I go in for an NBA player, I'm not right for the role just physically, right? But it gives me an opportunity to play, to truly be like, if I was LeBron, how would I play this part? And it, it gives me a chance to treat it like an acting class, to get better at auditioning on camera or for theater. It allows me to develop new relationships with the creatives in the room, whether it's a director, writer, casting director. So honestly, it's, it's about treating an audition sort of like going to the gym, I feel like, instead of like uh-huh. a competition. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So talk about um, what you've got coming up next. Oh, yeah. Um, So not only am I an actor, I'm also a writer. Um, So a play of mine, um, I have a residency to develop it. Um, The play that I wrote is called Black Doves, and it's a modern adaptation of the classic Chekhov play, The Seagull. Um, and it takes place uh-huh. in present-day Brooklyn, much like Keenan's play, um, and it's about generational trauma. It's, it's the idea that the stuff from our ancestors is passed down genetically. It's a scientifically proven um, condition. Um, so I wanted to examine how that still affects African Americans today. Um, also, yeah. as an act- also, as an actor, um, I got a fellowship from a theater communications group and the Fox Foundation, to develop a bilingual Hamlet um, with the Classical Theater of Harlem um, because I'm someone uh-huh. who's black and Latino. Um, and it's a project that's near and dear to my heart because I want to show young kids that, you know, you too can be Romeo, you too can be Hamlet, you too can be these theatrical giants that we were taught that don't belong to us, that only as a black actor I can only play Othello or Anne the Moore. It's like, no, I too can be the Prince of Denmark. Um, and I'm excited to bring that to the to the um, the people in New York City um, to show them a new face of classical theater. Um, so that's something I'm working on right now. It feels great to be like um, be shepherding my own work, to not be beholden to someone hiring me, but to actually choose the people I want to work with. Um, so those two things are preoccupying a lot of my uh, my attention right now, and I'm excited to uh, bring them uh, to fruition. Man, that's great. Okay, so we're getting ready to wrap up here. So um, talk about the projects you've got coming up after this one and also uh, put your website out there. Sure, sure, sure. Um, So next thing you can see me in, um, I don't know if you'll be in New York City, but I have a play going up October 31st that you can see. It's going to go up at uh, Manhattan Theater Club's uh, studios. That's the most immediate thing. I'll still be in Baltimore during that time doing Thoughts of the Colored Man, so I can't be there, but I would love for you, if you're in New York, to go see that. Um, my website, to keep up with what I'm doing, is www.reynaldocanella.com, or you can find me on Instagram or Twitter, at Reynaldo Ray. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, I really enjoyed our, our conversation. It was fun. For sure, and I hope everyone comes to see the play. We're here in Baltimore until November 10th, so... You know, come out and support if you can. That's right. That's right. Center stage. Okay, uh, Ronaldo, have a good night and break legs. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Nice. All right, folks. Remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Good night. 
Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my Makes a sound no one can find I never met anyone like you I wasn't living before you came Now I'm seeing myself in you With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.